first episode for 2022 of the Bookshop Chronicles. Woohoo! As always, my name is Brandy, and I run an independent bookstore in Edmonton, Canada called Daisy Chain Book Company, which began as a book truck or a bookshop on wheels, which was super fun but highly weather sensitive. And it was during a very long winter with the book truck parked that I decided to start a podcast. This has been such a joy. I think of it as audio scrapbooking when I get to invite people who are part of the Daisy Chain Book Company community on to tell their stories, talk about their reading life, and just share a glimpse of what it looks like to be part of such an amazing group of readers. Y'all are really pretty freaking amazing. You know that? You really are. And today we are going to hear from Melissa Ahmed. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, that name is probably familiar to you. She was on the podcast a little while ago, and we had the most incredible response from listeners about her conversation. She is bold, she is fresh, she is funny, she is honest, and she resonated with so many people. For Melissa, books have literally been a lifeline through some very, very challenging times of her life. Here you go. Here's my conversation with Melissa. When we were talking last time, um, it was the first time and it was, you know, it was kind of new for, for us to have this conversation face to face. Yeah. But when the episode of your podcast came out, I have to tell you, it was the most responded to podcast of all of the ones I've done. That literally blows my mind. Like, Does it? Yeah. It, I can't even fathom that people care about what I have to say. Like, or that they're, I said something interesting. <laughs> like, because we were just having a conversation like we have every time I'm in the store, every time we're together. So I just... It just is so interesting to me that people responded to our conversation because that's all it was, was just our conversation. I know. And how super is that? The cool thing about it is you are unfiltered. You I don't tend to be. Pretend. Yes, but that's so refreshing. You don't say, oh, you know what? I'm going to be this person to please this crowd. You are 100% you and take it or leave it. If you don't like it, y'all can just deal with it. But yeah. people generally really, really loved the way that you approached your life, your stories, your commitment to books, your passion. Like it really came through. So on behalf of all the people who commented, <laughs> thank you for being you. That is so interesting. Like in a really good way, right? It, because again, like it wasn't anything written down or thought of beforehand you're like just come and let's talk like we do every time we're together so yeah. the fact that <laughs> you know other people took interest in anything that we were saying is is a good thing but it's interesting to me because I don't yeah. think that I've said anything remarkable well I think that's probably what makes it awesome. I Maybe. think because you are not trying to please an audience, you're just being you. And you're right. This is a conversation we do have regularly. It's very familiar. Yeah. There's no way either of us are going to try to impress each other. This is just who we are. Like this is Yeah. This is it. I think that I'm just too old to care. Yes. Like it, you know what I mean? Like so yesterday was my birthday. 
Happy and, birthday! Oh, thank you. Hey. And I think that the closer that I'm getting to 40, like the less that I care. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like, yeah. I always say like your 20s is like the tweens of adulthood, right? Like you're not really an adult, especially your early 20s. It's like nobody kind of really treats you like you're an adult, but you have to pay bills and make decisions like you're an adult. And it's kind of like this in-between weird thing. And then your 30s, you're an adult and you don't have to impress anyone. And you're yeah. on your path to where you want to go. And the closer I get to 40, I'm just, I don't care. No, I've decided none, nobody's opinion pays my bills. Nobody's opinion is raising my children. Nobody's nope. opinion is in my relationship with my husband. So I don't care. That's right. <laughs> I totally agree with you. I think every candle on my cake makes me care less. Yeah. And now I approach con- like conflict and issues in a way that really, when I was younger, I wish I could have done that. I wish yeah. I had had that kind of chutzpah or disregard for what was going to come next. Are they going to like me if I do this? What's going to happen if I, you know what? Just say it, just do it. Stand up for the things that matter. Say what is on your heart and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. The sun will still come up tomorrow. I care if I affect, like I would never be mean or cruel. Like I care to affect people's lives in a negative or positive way. But if I'm being mean, you just don't like me. Like, Congratulations. I probably don't like you either. (laughs) It's okay. Uh Look what we have in common. (laughs) (laughs) It's all right. I'm sure there's people I like that they don't like me, but I'm again, it's fine. (laughs) You also find that the older you get, the harder it is to make friends. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just naturally guarded. I think just because of um, the trauma from my childhood and my teen years. Uh, So I was homeless from 13 to 18. And so I'm naturally guarded. So I don't make friends easily. And I always say, I don't think I'm a very easy person to like. People who like me don't agree with that, but I think that I'm not. So it's not, it's never been easy for me to make friends, I think, in general. And I don't have a lot of, like, you know, when you read books and watch movies and there's like this group of girlfriends and they've been friends for like, like, I don't have that. No. So um, I do think it's harder to make friends, but the friends that I have, I cherish more. And Mm -hmm. I'm really close to the people that I'm close with. And... But yeah, I, I don't, I don't find it easy to walk into a room and like be friends with everybody. I have people in my life who are like that and I envy them. Like they'll walk into a room, introduce themselves to everybody, hug people. And I'm just not that person. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's no, I think it might be surprising for people to realize that when you read books where there are really close friends, like Anne and Diana, like bosom friends or whatever, it's actually never been the Anne and Gilbert that I was jealous about. Oh, I wish I could have a Gilbert. No, no. Right. I wish I could have a bosom friend. 100%. And when I would see in cafes, 
ladies would come in and they would hang out and they would hang out with that closeness yeah. that you know some sisters have. They have this finish each other sentences kind of here. Oh, you you spilled something. Let me just wipe it away for you. They mm-hmm. watch your child while you like there's just this natural bond that they exude just being yeah. together. And I would watch them with this sad longing. Like I just wish I had that. And yeah. where do you find these people? You can't just make a bosom friend like that. You have to grow over time and develop this trust and intimacy and all of that. And you know, it's just, it's one of those things. The older you get. Yeah. I think for there. me too, like when I was a teenager, because I lived a very drastically different life than the people I went to school with, um, a lot of my friendships became superficial because they didn't understand. So like, you know, they'd be like, oh my God, it's so cool. You don't, you don't have a curfew. You, you don't have to listen to your parents because I didn't live at home. I didn't have a home. And I would be in my head thinking, yeah, but you get to like have clean laundry and you have a parent who's going to cook you dinner tonight. And like, we just didn't connect on any really deep, meaningful level because like they didn't understand what was happening with me. Yeah. So I think that that probably was a huge barrier and probably why books were my best friends because mm-hmm. right? you can always count on them always yeah no matter it's what it's so true it's so always. true and I remember I was listening to an audiobook <laughs> I was having a a very low period of my adult parenting life and I was listening to an audiobook by Jen Hatmaker mm-hmm. and it was a book called for the love and in the book she was talking about um, how when she grew up, she watched her mom and all her mom's friends and how they sort of oversaw all the kids. And she had all these aunts and all these like surrogate mom figures. And she watched how her mom had these close relationships and she was determined to have that. Yeah. And as she's talking about how she has this same like pack of close friends, that, like ride or die. That's it. They, this, these are her people. And I was bawling reading this or listening to this because I felt like that is the longing for so many people to have that kind of a community, that closeness, yeah. that being known. And the only place I've ever really felt that long-term are characters and, and authors and books. Yeah. Yeah. I think that too, um, I think motherhood is so romanticized um, that the reality of it is a shock for those going through it. And the people that are watching don't realize the loneliness that you have. It is very lonely to be a stay-at-home mom. It's very lonely to have a baby crying at three o'clock in the morning or having my oldest had colic. It's very lonely. Um, And then to not have, you know, this idea of like the sisterhood of the traveling pants that are around (laughs) you and you're, you know, just having babies and not that they did that in the book, but the friendship and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's lonely, but I had books. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And And were, were there some books that really, like, I know last time we talked about like a couple of books, but were there some books that really comforted you in terms of your community? Um, I don't know. I think when I first, um, so I, it took us a really long time 
to have my oldest daughter, eight years um, of trying. And I think when I first had her, I found a lot of comfort in trying to find books that were very nostalgic to me, um, like children's books and trying to like bring all of these things that I remember that were so important to my childhood to this baby that can't read. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But um, so that was really comforting to me, but books that brought a sense of the community. I don't really, I don't think so. I think it was a really lonely time and I just kind of read what was ever there, like whatever I could get my hands on. yeah yeah I think that was but like trying to find all the childhood books was fun I used to escape into um what if I lived here what if these were my people what if what Mm. if this was my friend what if this is where we went and I used to put myself into those stories as if I was one of the characters and that used to be such a safe way for me to try different relationships and try different places because I could do it from the safety of my little tiny room that I yeah. shared with my sister, which I completely took over with books. Sorry, <laughs> Terry. Um, and, and I just, that was kind of the way that I dealt with all that stuff. Cause yeah. friends were always hard for me when I was in junior high. <laughs> this is terrible. When I was in junior high, I was part of a friendship triangle. Okay. Yeah. So I was best friends with one girl on this day. And then one of us would become best friends with the other girl and they would write mean letters to the third one and feel all superior. And then it would switch and we'd, and we'd have this very, very toxic thing going on and people would watch us go. So who's friends with who's today? Yeah. I've come to realize, I don't know if it's the same with, boys and men um especially adolescent girls cannot be friends in threes never no no it doesn't work um I so I'm from uh Ontario and the only place there's junior high is in Toronto I'm not from Toronto so we didn't have junior high you had elementary and high school Mm -hmm. and it was the same people like throughout that we all kind of ended up going to the same high school. Um, and I would watch that. There was a couple groups of threes. And I would always think like three girls cannot be friends. No. They can't. There has to be a fourth or there can only be two. But mm-hmm. three does not work. No. At all. Because it's very it, toxic. It is toxic. And it really taught me to distrust friends. Yeah. You say you're my best friend on Tuesday. Yeah, but Thursday rolls around and she's wooed you with whatever. And yeah. now you're both going to call me, but pretend that only one of you is on the line and get me to say bad things about the other one. And oops, she's listening. Yeah. But you know what? I might do that same thing next Thursday. So, Oh my God. Back in the day awful. of three-way calling. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know what? That's, uh, yeah. And then you feel like you can't ever divulge any secrets that you're supposed to with your best friend because again they're gonna they're gonna break that trust yeah I could see how that would 
I, I may have been on the outskirts of some friend triangles, but I, <laughs> I witnessed them enough to be like, that's not for me. <laughs> yeah. And Judy Bloom had a lot of good friend yeah. stories and stuff like that, but there was always that friend dynamic that I was drawn to in the characters. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm sure like every other girl or guy, I'm not sure, but when I was growing up, it was girls who read Judy Bloom. I've read every single Judy Bloom book there mm-hmm. is. Yeah. My daughter has, I think it's like a rite of passage of some sort. And I found her friendships probably the most realistic. They didn't always get along. And they had arguments and got, you know, worked it out or, you know, made mistakes where I feel like a lot of friendships in books are, again, so romanticized that it's like they're completely unbreakable. They might be unbreakable, but you're going to argue in mm-hmm. with your friend. Yeah. You argue with your husband, you argue with your children, you argue with everybody in your life. So I found her friendships the most realistic, I think. Yeah, it's true. And then you can see yourself in it. Yeah. There was jealousy. There was also at the time a variety of people. I think in Blubber, the best friend of the main character was Asian. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was more realistic that there was these different families, different cultures, different people that didn't look the same where in a lot of books it's like the white friend with the white friend right and (laughs) like like it's it's just so manufactured that it's not any resemblance of society or life or the people who you surround yourself in in real life so I felt I think her friendships were the most realistic well and I imagine too like you mentioned earlier that you were um, homeless from what 13 to 18 right yeah so you must probably you would have had I imagine a very difficult time finding any young person in a book that you could relate to oh, yeah. who was going through anything emotionally that you were yeah no 100% because this again was not any books written in the past five to ten years where it's more quote-unquote woke or heavier topics right um so yeah I didn't have any books that had anything to do with no females that I could relate to there were males that I could relate to because apparently males could handle heavier things so again um maybe uh we talked about last time that was then and this is now. Mm-hmm. They went through heavy things. The the um, boy that was living with the main character, he would have been homeless if he wasn't living with his best friend. He was selling drugs. There was this element of instability, right? So there was there's male characters that I could relate to, but no female characters. Mm-hmm. Did you ever read um, Homecoming by Cynthia Voigt? No. I need a pen to write that down. Yeah. Um, that one was a shocker. Both my sister and I read that when we were young. And it's not it's not your typical feel-good book. What I really appreciated about so many of the books from like the 80s and onward was they actually thought that kids could handle some harder topics. Yeah. So, 
uh, Homecoming, the the opening premise of it is, I think her name is Dee Dee or Dini. I can't remember her name. Anyway, Dicey. Dicey? Whatever. Anyway, she and her three younger siblings are in the car and they're in the parking lot waiting for their mom. She just said, okay, I'm going to run in and get something and I'll come right back. The mom never comes back. Okay. She, she abandons them. This is how the book opens. Like, they're wondering, like, well, should I go and check? But if I leave the young ones here, like, I don't know what to do. So these four kids go on this trek across these states and they are homeless. They're trying to figure out, well, can I help somebody take the groceries out of their car so she'll give me a quarter, a quarter will buy me um, milk and I can feed the kids and this yeah. kind of stuff. And we sleep in a campfire and there's an abandoned this and we'll sleep in this. It's It was this very, very shockingly different experience for kids. She was my age and I, it blew me away that she could be yeah. trusted to not only live on her own in strange places, but yeah. to also be taking care of her younger siblings and teach them to be resilient and strong. And it's okay to be afraid, but you got to get up and, and we, we got to have milk tomorrow and that kind yeah. of thing. It was yeah. Shocking. I'm going to read that. That's interesting. Yeah. What yeah. I used to do <laughs> back when people used pay phones is I would pretend I was making a phone call and act like I didn't have a quarter and I needed to call my parents and I would ask people for a quarter and then I'd go to another pay phone and I'd be like oh I have to call my parents can I have a quarter and then I'd get enough for like bus fare or like to grab a McDonald's or something I used oh to that's do that. smart that's yeah. so smart yeah because how did, how did you a... figure out how to how to do like did you just just based on need Right? Yeah. You just do what yeah, you gotta just do. Figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because nobody gives anybody bus fare, but they'll give you a quarter to call your parents, especially if it's like nine o'clock at night and they think that you're stuck downtown. Yeah. That is smart. Yeah. <laughs> See, and doing all of that stuff, as awful as it would have been to have to develop those skills. Mm-hmm. I can't help but think those skills have carried you well through your adult life. i I'm I feel like yeah, I certainly appreciate a quarter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, I I think that everything, I don't believe that everything happens for a reason, but I do believe that everything happens to you, you can learn from. And so I've, I've carried a lot of these things throughout my life, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when you, like, now this is like an odd question, but bookish people, you'll understand this. Mm -hmm. When you, between 13 and 18, you were still reading a lot. Yeah. So these, I I imagine these were library books, right? Because. Yeah. So there was a couple that I had in my bag at all times. Um, But, oh, that's the thing about being homeless is you become the master packer. Like your whole life has to fit into a bag so you can roll, tuck and pack like nobody's business. But yeah, so library books. So there's a reason why your libraries have homeless people in them. First of all, it's warm and it's somewhere to sit. But also, yeah, so library books, but you couldn't get a library card because you didn't have an address. Um, uh, but also the library book sales. So you could buy books for like, 75 cents or something mm-hmm. so i would do that a lot and, and then just collect books just cart them around with you yeah a couple of them 
because they're as important to me as anything else that was in my bag. So, so if and your bag so- is, is so it's small. You can only have so many. So what are the yeah. books that you say, okay, these are the ones I'm taking with me. These are the ones I have to have. How okay. do you decide? Oh, well, I don't, it's tricky, right? I guess I would read them so many times until I felt like I could part with them and then get another one. I think that's kind of how that went. Uh, it, it was kind of a curse to be a Stephen King fan because his books are so damn big. <laughs> but yes. um, yeah, you know, I also went to school until I was 16. So I would have a locker and, and read and stuff like that and keep stuff in my locker. Um, but yeah. And then I, I, I hitchhiked from anybody from Ontario will know where these places are, but from Grand Bend to Ottawa. And I made sure I had a bag of books like my, that there was at least four books in my bag. So, and then I had hitchhiked. So I hitchhiked all around Ontario and I, I had, I mean, I wouldn't recommend for any 14, 15 year old girls to do that. So please, if you're listening, don't do that. Don't do that. Well, you, you do what you got to do, though. And in yeah. the winter, how did you how did you manage in the winter? Because Canadian winters, I mean, let's let's face it, this is not a holiday. Yeah, so um, teenage homelessness is very complicated. Um, you're too young to go to shelters for the most part until you're 16. Uh, so I did a lot of couch shopping. I had a lot of friends that were much older than me. And I would crash on their couch for a night there, a night here. Um, I had slept. When you're really stuck, the, I would sleep in uh, bank terminals because they're heated and there's lights and there's cameras. Yes. So I felt somewhat safe. So, um, yeah, no, teenage homelessness is complicated. How does that change how you now, because you've got a girl who's going to be a teen in a very (laughs) short period of time. So how does that change how you perceive her experience? Oh, um, I'm very conscious of where I was at that age compared to where she is at this, at the same age. Right. And I try very hard to make it known every day that her home is her safe place, that no matter what happens between her and I or anything in this world, this is her home and she is this forever. Wherever I am paying rent is her home forever. And she never has to leave and she never has to feel unsafe. And she, no matter what, I will leave before she will. So, that is very important. And I try to like instill that in any way possible daily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and having a community that supports that too is really special and necessary. If ever there was anything that your girls needed or you needed, you also have another mm-hmm. place to stay ever. If yeah. your place burned down, if you're like, you say, Hey, yo, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> remember? Remember when you said <laughs> we're, we're all pulling up in the minivan. <laughs> I have it on recording. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's the thing is I do also I'm very conscious 
maybe this is another reason why I don't have a ton of close friends, but I am very conscious about the people that I surround myself with. And I think that I've told you before when we were talking about some of the struggles of being um, a visible minority and things like that is that I know that what at least there's one safe place for me in the city and that's the bookstore. I know that if I'm ever downtown and something happened, I know where to go. Like, or if I just like want to grab a book and sit down, like I know that this is a safe place. And my Amina knows it's a safe place. Yeah. She knows that you value her and that that's a place that she can go. Like, you know, so having pockets of that throughout your life and your city and where you're at is very important. Like I go to the same second cup and they know my name and like that is a safe place to get coffee I know that if anybody ever said something to me there the baristas would say something on my behalf like it is a safe place to get coffee and I don't think that that's something that everybody thinks about but somebody who gets accosted in public or has had garbage thrown at them or has been threatened physically thinks about things like that or somebody who has been homeless thinks about things like that. So it's something that I'm very aware of. Well, you're right because we honestly, if you're not aware of it, it's because you are quite privileged and you don't have to be right. You, you, you have the privilege to be picky and to complain about something Mm -hmm. because you have so much opportunity and privilege in front of you that you have a right to be choosy or you think you do. Yeah. Um, honestly, the idea of safety, security, feeling known, feeling understood, feeling valued where you are yeah. can never be overstated. And, and I think that so many people just take it for granted because it's, you know, this is what they know, but wow, to not even consider that like when you go somewhere, mm-hmm. your coffee order, the person who makes it for you, um, the driving up to that place and knowing, okay, when I go there, <sighs> yeah, this is, this is going to be good. Right. Yeah. Like, I also think that um, being homeless and female and young, I made it a point to go to places um, and have somebody there know my name and then go to that same place. So if I was to get a coffee once a week, I went to the exact same place so that if I didn't show up for a couple of weeks. If something happened to me, somebody would notice. Yeah. Right? Because I was nameless. I had no home. I had no parents to watch out for me. I didn't have that. So it was really important for me to, like, if I didn't show up at the bookstore for three months or message you on Instagram, you would notice. Mm-hmm. Right? And maybe yeah. think, hmm, what happened? Yeah. And send me a message. Right? Like, if I didn't go to the same second cup I go to every single day. Like my youngest was sick for a week this past week. And I go to second cup after I drop her off at preschool Monday to Thursday. And I pulled up this morning and they all came to the window. And we're like, where were you? That is something that is instilled from the time that I was alone and very young. And so to make these connections and feel like, okay, if I went missing, somebody would notice. Right. Well, even when you came to book club, was it last week? Yeah. It was last week, right? Yeah. And you said that you weren't really feeling like going to book club, but 
you know, you felt like you, you should get out and stuff. And honestly, if, if you weren't there, we would yeah. notice, we would be like, um, <laughs> where's Melissa? What is the, cause the seat would be lacking the space. Right. Would, we would be so aware of you and so used to having you there. And we would probably be like, nice. dude, <laughs> you know, it's tonight, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like that. And I think that that's the hope of anybody, no matter their, how they grew up or their situation is to somehow be missed at some faction of their life. Yeah. Somewhere where you go, you'd be missed. Cause how many people go to work and think like, I'm just a number. Nobody would notice if I quit tomorrow, yeah. right? Or go to school and are unseen or, you know, just move through life. So if you actively, even if you take the bus to work every day and you say hello to your bus driver, it's the same bus driver every time, most of the time, yeah. if it's the same route that you're getting on. If you just actively try to make connections with people, no matter how small they are, you will be missed if you are not there. And that's what I think most people strive for. I agree. I agree. I'm not in um, an egotistical way. It's just that you want to go through life with some connection with somebody somewhere. Well, it affirms you. It adds value to where you go and and who you, who -hmm. you are. I think that that's so important. That's why community matters. Because people look at you and I go, Hey, Hey, you. Hi. Nice to see you again. There, there's that feeling of yeah. expectation and being known. And I think there's there's no way you can duplicate that with other things. If you don't no. have it, you know you don't have it. Even with books. So books are my safe place. They are my friend. They are important to me. But if I don't read this book, this book does not know that. Right. Right. So as much as I would miss books in my life, Books aren't, when I die, no book is, Stephen King's not like, hey, Melissa didn't read my newest book. (laughs) That's not happening, right? So it is a very one-way relationship Mm -hmm. with books, right? We're taking everything we can from them and their comfort to us. But we do need community. Oh, yeah. Right? And it's very easy to cocoon yourself in home and so I I could grab a blanket and not leave for a week and just be with books I could do that Mm -hmm. very easily but you it's very important not to do that because I think that we're made for other people I think it's important to have that balance where you say okay you know what I am going to just silence myself from social interaction for a while and for Mm -hmm. all of the people who really feel that that is so much more natural for their character Mm -hmm. this is all very good and fine to be able to say okay i'm shutting out the world i'm just going to keep to myself for a while and feel very satisfied in that but at some point then you're like um okay i need more i need a human i need more than i need to have a conversation yeah we're made for that but that's the great thing about books and being a book lover is that it almost I mean if you take Amazon out of the equation Mm -hmm. books acquiring books is communal yes right you have to go to the library and you will know your librarian like 
when we moved here from, uh, I'm from London, Ontario. So when we left London and came here, it was during COVID and the libraries were all shut down. And it was one of the sad parts is that we couldn't go say goodbye to our librarians because they knew us. Sumaya was in the middle of a dinosaur phase. And every time we would go to the library, which was almost daily, the librarian would have a stack of dinosaur books set aside for Sumaya because she knew. And Amina was going through and still is um, a World War II phase fictional world war ii book she was obsessed with knowing about everything about world war ii and the stories and connecting to stories that have um females her age and just like wrapping her mind around like how if i was 10 and i had to hide from nazis like so we would go in and they'd be like amina there's this book and they bring her and show her like they knew us and our reading styles mm-hmm so it's so communal. And I have to say that anybody, any parent um, should utilize their library. If you are lonely and going through like this stay-at-home parent and your toddler and all your friends are working or not having kids or you're just alone, go to the library, go to the library, go to the library. Because yeah. I don't know now with the COVID restrictions, but on a regular normal time, there are so many activities at the library. They're all free. You're surrounded by books. It's yep. safe. There's toys. There's other parents. There's other kids. It is the best place to go. So that's so communal. And then also if you buy books, so I usually borrow books for my kids and myself, but I buy more for myself. Than I do for my kids because kids go through phases mm-hmm. like um like going to the bookstore look at the relationship that I've built with you is so important I value our friendship I value going to the store I love meeting your other employees I love the book club and like connecting with people and the pedal club so acquiring the books is very communal reading the books might be I don't want to say isolating but solitary Solitary, yes. Yeah. But acquiring the books, if you forget about Amazon. Which we like to do. Yeah. Yes. As very last resort for Mm -hmm. me. Yeah. Then, you know, it can also be, I guess the bigger stores can be communal but they're kind of like it's like going to walmart to buy a book you don't want to go to the bigger store Mm -hmm. (laughs) see when i go to the small stores right yeah so that can be very communal and you can and that's the best place to find your people because they you know that they want their book people it's true right you don't have to like meet somebody at a random place and then try to like work in like oh i read this book right and then you find out they're not book people and you're like oh sucks (laughs) yeah i worked in a bookstore once and there was this young guy who used to hope that he would meet somebody there like a a girl that would be his his one forever and he's he would call it i'm casing the stacks and he would walk around and he would try to find girls who were reading things he was already interested in and he would you know want to like have conversations with them and 
a couple times it was a little little creepy and i'm like dude seriously we need to we need to discuss this like, a <laughs> you take a book out and he's like on the other side of the shelf peering through <laughs> because we don't want them to feel stalked we don't want them to be contrived yeah. so talking to him about how he can you know do this better and whatever and then one day he actually brought his girlfriend in which was oh adorable God. and he had to introduce her to me because <gasps> he said like yeah this is this is the person who explained to me how it wasn't okay <laughs> like cold call people in the stacks and um and then the conversation they were having is what books do you love which books do you love and then that's how they bonded so they did a tour of sections of the store that they already loved. Instead of trying to like find somebody in there that yeah. he already thought, oh, look, she likes books about Harleys. Me too. Whatever. Yeah. And it was just, it was so beautiful to me to watch them because it reminded me exactly what you're saying. Like, yeah. that's where your people are. Yeah. And regardless of whether it is for friendship or dating or just having a conversation that you feel like you're aligned with somebody else. Yeah. Bookstores and libraries and bookish places like that that are meant to be intimate. Mm -hmm, They're mm -hmm. meant to foster your relationship with books and with other readers. Uh, like, yes, seek them out because they are there to serve you. And they I will feel like feed you well. That story you just said should be a book. <laughs> I feel like yeah. that should be a book. <laughs> like that should be a story that somebody writes. That's so cute. Yeah, it's going yeah, to it's um like the book club. I love the book club. I love the book club for so many reasons. But I love that we just get off like talking about like we in tangents. Like yeah. it was so exciting for Sarah and I that there was a new person <laughs> there because we keep repeating ourselves and we're like, oh, you've never heard this. <laughs> but like you find, I feel like there's, so there's somebody in our book club uh, named Sarah, who she is like a book twin of mine. Like we are soul sisters in books. Yes. And I love, I love listening to her talk about a book because she's so impassioned. And I'm like, that is the book I want to read. And I just really, but then even people who it's not the book I want to read. Oh, what is her name? Um, her husband's a librarian. Lisa Marie. I could listen to her talk about books. Oh, yeah. All day. She gets so excited and she picks her little feet up and she rocks forward and she giggles and she just oh, like. Makes and my she's heart talking so about happy. books that I would rather chew glass than read. Like, <laughs> there is nothing about the hobbit that i want to put myself through again i have tried i do i absolutely not but listening to her talk about it makes me so happy yeah and yeah. i think whenever whenever one of our group is talking about something that i have been on the fence about or i broke up with or whatever it was I feel as if, okay, hold on a second. I love that you love it. Now I think I might like it a little more because I really like you. And I really right. like how you're talking about it. So, okay, maybe the book wasn't for me, but now it's jumped up a little bit on my on my radar because I like yeah. the way you're presenting it. Yeah. I still don't want to read The Hobbit, but I do. Like, it's kind of like 
I hate Nicolas Cage. And for some reason, every male in my life loves him and I don't understand it. But no matter how, <laughs> and no matter how much they talk about how much they like Nicolas Cage, I still don't want to watch those movies. <laughs> I feel like it's like that. Like, I, I just enjoy, I really just enjoy being around people who enjoy books because I've been around my whole life, except for my sister. Um, I'm the only one who likes to read. Mm -hmm. I'm the only one in my life, uh, except for my daughter, but like my peers. Yeah. I'm the only one that gets it. I'm the only one that gets how exciting it is that it's Thursday and I'm going to the bookstore Mm -hmm. or that I got these new books that I would not eat for two days to be able to buy this book because I needed it right this moment. And I put it on my shelf and I'm probably not going to read it for like two years, but I needed it that day. Mm -hmm. Like only book people understand that insanity. Oh yeah. Yeah. I need this book now. And now that I have it, probably not going to read it for a while. But I needed it today. Like, I needed it now. Yeah, I get yeah. that. Yeah. When I was living on my own and I had, <laughs> well, I I was making some poor financial decisions probably. <laughs> and so I had put off my phone bill and it was the second month. And they're like, okay, now there's two months. You have to pay it or we're going to cut it off. And I had literally had nothing left in my freezer. And you're starting to eat the stuff in the back of the freeze that you've been putting yeah. off because ugh. So you're I made rinsing this, off the freezer burn. Oh my gosh. I made this terrible stew of all the things in the back of my freezer and it was disgusting. And the smell in my house when it was cooking in my microwave because <laughs> I was a lazy ass. It was awful. It was, and I still think about that. So, and I thought, okay, I have got to pay my rent. I need to take care of this. So I pulled a bunch of books off my shelves. I know your eyes are wide. I know. And I put them in my backpack and I carried two big bags and I walked up Jasper Avenue because there were some like used bookstores there. And I thought, I'm going to sell my books yeah, to pay my rent. Yeah. And now that I have a used bookstore downtown, the irony is not lost on me, but um, the idea of separating from my books Mm-hmm. to pay for my space was I felt necessary, but heartbroken Yeah, because and I, I wanted somebody to take the book so that I could have my rent paid and all that kind of stuff. But I also did not want to part with them. And I was apologizing to them. I'm so sorry. Right. Like yeah. it, and I, they would look at them and decide which ones they wanted. And I was like, Oh, what? Oh no. Oh, you can take that one. Oh, really? Like, <laughs> and I ended up coming back with most of my books. Right. And, and I should have been really sad because of the rent thing, but I also wasn't because these are my books. These are, these are, I have very few things, but I have my books. (laughs) So I have moved so many times in my life. I can't even try to count them, but big moves is I've moved from Ontario to Edmonton, Edmonton back to London, Ontario, and then from London, Ontario back to Edmonton. Oh, so I've done this move three times from there here here there here mm-hmm. and all three times I've driven from Ontario to here so we had to be the first time we were Amina was two years old we had no money we sold all of our things except for 
my books. There you go. And I put them in the van and I just, my husband was like, why are we bringing these boxes of books? We need to bring our dishes. We need to bring some clothes. Yes. So I had taken our clothes and I put them in those vacuum seal bags, big, huge vacuum seal bags. And I tied them to the top of the van because they couldn't fit because I had boxes of books. Okay. Somewhere outside of Winnipeg, we realized no. people kept honking at us. And I was like, whatever. Like, I wasn't paying attention because I don't know why. But then we pulled over and the bags of our clothes had ripped open. And for like an hour, our clothes, my underwear, everything <laughs> was along the Trans Canada Highway. But my books were safe. Oh, Felissa. Seriously. I'm so lucky my husband loves me. Oh my gosh. This- <laughs> So like uh, we didn't have money. Like we were using all of our money to move here. My husband was gonna get the job on the oil field. Like we were moving here because life was not working out. Yeah. If you ever like driving and wonder, like you know, I always like, how did that one shoe get on the highway? What is that one pair of underwear? Yeah. <laughs> it's probably because of a story like this. That's right. Because somebody valued their books so much they protected the books <laughs> and not the clothes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Books are important. They are. And and you're right. It is a it is a communal thing to get them. Yeah. It's a special thing to have them. And there's mm-hmm. something attached to like even like the books that I have in my little space, they mm-hmm. are they're carefully chosen. Right? Like, yeah. When you go to a library, they have to get all the things. You know, they want right. to make sure that everybody's going to find something. But in your personal library, yes. it is so much a reflection of your life, the different seasons of your reading life, the different yes. trends you've gone through. So whereas some people like to kind of get rid of all the other things and make room for just the new ones and they want to Marie Kondo and only keep 30 books or whatever nasty crap that idea is. Okay. But, you know, the idea of being able to look through and saying, oh, yeah. I love that phase or, oh, it was so cool that I was researching that. And, oh, you know, to be able to reflect that and to really appreciate where yeah. you've come from as a human. I think your bookshelves show that. So books are extremely nostalgic for me, mm-hmm. right? Um, also, I homeschool. So I have a lot of books that are like encyclopedia type of lots of National Geographic books and cool kids atlases and things like that. But I'm a rereader. Yeah. I reread all the time. So uh, there's no benefit for me for getting rid of books. I'll read them again. Like, mm-hmm. I will keep them. I do donate books that I don't like. Mexican Gothic, which was one of the worst books I've ever read. Yeah. Uh, the author is listening. I'm very sorry. It was a fantastic first half of the book. The second half was the it's like you took two books yeah, and put them together. and It, it was, was a bait and switch. Totally. The first half of the book, I even thought to myself, this is so good. It could be a Netflix series. <laughs> I won't spoil the book because I'm sure there's somebody out there who likes it. But I think the book spoiled itself. I really do. 
the last third of it was just, it was like a weird fever dream. You flipped the page. Yeah. And you're like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was weird. It was, it was very much as if I felt as if they picked the last third of the book up off the editing room floor and said, well, I think this goes here. And somebody else who wasn't associated just stuck the book together. And then it became a dumpster fire. And I thought, well, okay, what the heck is going on here? And then it was over. It, <laughs> it was, was just so it was weird. it was literally like it wasn't like you read and it was starting to get bad. It was good. You literally flipped the page and there was a scene yeah. and you're like, I'm sorry, what? Yes. <laughs> and then the rest of the book continued on with that scene. And you're like, I'm sorry, but what? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I it, actually feel like I have two different book reviews for that book. The first right. two thirds have a separate book review. Yes. Which I thought it was very moody, very creative. It set mm -hmm. a really good tone. The characters were very interesting. There was so much cool stuff going on. The anticipation was well done. And then all of a sudden, now we have a whole different review based on, you know, a loss of opportunity and what the heck and checking off boxes that should not be checked off in this book. Yeah, and like, how did it go from, like, a suspenseful, creepy, really well done book to, like, a sci-fi? <laughs> like, yeah. And there's a lot of people who read it who loved the whole thing. No. I'm wondering if they think about that because they're thinking of the first two thirds and that's a feeling they're running with. It has to be because that doesn't make sense. I don't agree no. with that. They're, who are these people? I need their I need their contact information. <laughs> I need to discuss with them. Yeah. It's uh it's a curious one. Leave a comment if you read this book and liked it and explain to me why. Yeah. Tell us what you thought of the last third, please. Yeah, I also, Please. now you've heard me talk about this book because it's the worst book I've ever read in my entire life. And so I reference it a lot <laughs> because it's the bar of crappy books. I can still visualize the red cover. P.S. I love you. And it was a book of all text messages. By Cecilia Ahern. Okay, who a... So, like, published this book. Who read this book is like, this is a seller. We're going to put it on paper and bind it and get a cover and invest the money to sell it. Who, what, who was this? I need to talk to that person. And B, who's reading it and thinking this is a stellar piece of work? Who are these people? Because... <laughs> I need to talk to them and maybe figure out what's happening in their life that they thought that this was yeah. a good idea. Oh, the film was the one with Hilary Swank. That was a different story. It's a different story. Right, yeah. Okay. Right, let's right. be very clear. We're not talking right, about right. The, like this is this is a book of text messages. Yeah. Now, I, I, oh, it, and that's it's between it. two young people. And yeah. then as they grow and they kind of move different places. Yeah. And, right, yeah, yeah. 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 I remember reading that in an airport and thinking, well, I'm going to leave this in the airport. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. The other 
book that I read recently, well, recently-ish, in the past year, that was, I couldn't understand. And I said this at book club, what is it called? This is a fun age, or it's a fun age. Oh, yeah, such a fun age. Such a fun age. Yeah. Okay, I saw this everywhere. I saw it, like, you know when you go into Shopper's Drug Mart and they've got, like, you know, their books and like it was like two rows of the same book. Like and I got this book in one of those boxes of books that I bought. <clears throat> and I it was such a all I can think about when I to describe that book is meh. Mm. Like it was I I get what they were trying to do with it. So is this um, she's in her 20s. She's black and she works for a white family. And then she starts dating this white guy who kind of seems like he has a fetish of black girls. And you don't really know if he likes her for her or just because she's black. And so I get what they were trying to do with it, but it was really just blah. Like, but. It seemed like, I think it might have even had one of those circle stamps on it. People seem to like it, and I'm not sure why. Yeah, I can't remember which celebrity book club that was for, or what that was, who was promoting it. I feel like there was also somebody endorsing that one. Yeah. yeah. It got a lot of buzz in the beginning. I, which yeah, books I, tend to do. If they have any sort of trending theme, it's going to get some buzz. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of books I find, and I'm, I'm trying to be much more critical as I backlist read, thinking, okay, which books are still going to be around or we're still right. going to be discussing six months or six years from now? Yeah. And there's so many that are coming out that, frankly, we are never going to hear about again. We're going to go, wait, was that a book once? And now it's right. like the book everybody has to read. But once they read it, they kind of forget what happened. It's sort yeah. of, I feel like there's this trend of books that are easily forgettable. And oh, yeah. the more backlist books I discover, I'm thinking, oh, how do people not know about this book? Like, this has been right. quietly languishing on the shelves, letting all the other shiny books just get attention. And it's just sitting here happily, patiently waiting, not changing, just waiting for you. I think yeah. there's, there's so many good ones to discover that have been already read, reviewed. <laughs> they're easily available because they're backlist. There's so much happening in the world, especially when everybody was locked down and everybody yeah. was hyper-focused on certain issues. So then that became almost like clickbait in the book world, right? Like, yes. oh, George, the George Floyd happened. Now we're going to write and promote everything to do with that. It's, you know, you're just taking advantage of the situation. You're not really putting out anything that has any content that's benefiting anybody you're just like this is trendy which is a disgusting thing to think yes I'm gonna jump on this bandwagon and put a black character and make it relevant that's a problem that's problematic I find it very very discouraging when people are um jumping on these bandwagons that you're talking about I felt as if people sort of oh I have to read about it but it's not just for for a now. This is an ongoing thing that we yeah. have to make part of our our conversation, our culture, mm-hmm. our regular bookshelves, not just 100%. for the moment. So I, yeah. I get very frustrated when I think these things are 
trending, but then as soon as something else comes up, that one will be forgotten and something else will be shinier. Right. And right. And that's the kind of fickle thing that I have a really hard time feeding. As a bookseller, I don't really like to just feel as if I'm feeding whatever is shiny if it's not going right. to stick. And I want it to be that we are serving a culture that wants us to stick so we can be and do better. Agreed. 100%. It's it's a sticky spot to be in. Yeah. Especially, I would assume, as a bookseller, because you do want to provide what everybody's coming in and requesting. Yeah. Like, I can only imagine, I wouldn't be good at your job. Because I would... <laughs> Because I feel like people would be like, oh, I want this. And I'd be like, that sucks. You just want it because it's on Netflix. Like, or that sucks. You just want it because you saw it on Instagram. Read this book instead. I feel like I'd be really bad. Well, there is there is that to some degree. However, if somebody is seeing anything on any media platform and it mm -hmm. makes them want to read... I'm like, yeah, that's oh, true. you are going to spend time with this book. The book we know, every every reader knows this. Whatever book you dive into, it is going to be so much more than whatever brought you to it. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm down for that. Like I'm ready for that book to show you what it's got and yeah. then make a better decision. Get behind that. <laughs> <laughs> there are some terrible books. We know. We know. And there's yeah. definitely other ones that we could suggest instead. But sometimes, yeah. like, there is a, there's a book for every reader. What if the book that they're talking about was not for me? It is definitely for them. Yeah, so, okay. I... Whereas I'm not going to necessarily be stalking Trump books like crazy because I'm not for that. Yeah. I don't need to make profit on that. Um, and we're from Canada, so let's talk about Canada if we can. And let's leave the American politics to yeah. the American community because they can handle that better than we can. I just I feel can like well <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll let them sort it out. <laughs> we yeah. got our own mess up here. Yeah. <laughs> I think books can help all of the conversation and the dynamic of it is fun. I guess there are books that I read that people are like, what? Why are you reading why are you reading that? Yeah. I just think that they're fantastic. So I guess that's true. Well, see, you yeah. read the Holly Black trilogy, right? Yeah. See, and yeah, has, I have no interest in that whatsoever. Like, I yeah, neither I, did I until I read it. So I, I find sometimes that what if the next favorite book is when That's you true. you say on a Monday, oh, not in a million, and on Tuesday you're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. That is true because I walked into your store thinking to myself, I'm picking up a book that I would never pick up I need a change I need because I read a lot of nonfiction that can be very heavy and so my fiction can be very heavy as well like mm -hmm. there's a lot of emotions in the things that I read I thought I'm just picking something at random and this is going to be so classically me but I picked it up I looked at the cover which was brilliant mm -hmm. I bet sold and this goes against one of my reading rules because there's a map in this book if there's a map i'm not reading it this map is purely i think for decoration yes so i went against everything it was fantasy i don't read fantasy it had a map i never read books with map never heard of the author before because I, i'm not into that genre and i uh loved it i loved it so much that this second I was done the first one I was messaging you to ask you if you had the second one and I was like I'll pick it up on Monday I was 
in your store within an hour. I did not yeah. last till Monday. No. I had to get the second one. And I love it. I love Books it, can so. surprise you. Right? Yeah. They it's like a gift that you unwrap every time you turn a page. Mm-hmm. And it's it's something that is it grows with you and changes over time. But if you even yep. go back and you reread things that you read when you were younger, it's a new gift. You're unwrapping it all over again because you're different. Yeah, we were talking about that at Book Club because there's um, the person who doesn't reread books. And I do all the time. Because if I read a book at 17 years old and then I read it again at 27 and then again at 37, I get something different every single time because I'm not the same person I was. No. And we had talked about how you were an Anne Shirley and then you realized you're a Marilla. Because uh-huh. you got older, yes, and you see it from a different perspective. Oh, and yeah. I'm very much the same way, right? I think I'm. I've decided to give this book a second shot, which is the Bookshop of the Brokenhearted, which I thought I would have loved, and I didn't, and I stopped reading it. But I think I'm going to give it a shot again. I think it, I'm in the place to. I didn't love the re- writing style, but I'm going to go back with an open. Yeah open heart, open mind. And did you read it? No. Yeah. No. I'm typically drawn to books about bookshops, libraries, books. Like I love all of those things. They just Mm -hmm. have such a beautiful environment where great dramas and and relationships can occur. So I love that backdrop for stories, but that is one I have not read yet. I did however just break up with one this morning. You did? I did. It's called A Little or The Little Stranger by Sarah Waters. Sarah Mm -hmm. Waters wrote The Paying Guests, which I read recently and loved. Like I I literally loved, loved, loved everything about the way the book was done, the way the characters like I just ate that book up with a spoon. Right. And so I thought, okay, Sarah Waters. I'm up for whatever you give me. And this one, it just took me a while to get into. And then when I was into it, I'm like, but am I really into it? I don't know. And it just could not hold my attention. So I think what I'm going to do is just kind of put that on the shelf and then come back to it. Cause I do want to give her a shot. I think she's really got something and I don't want to disregard her entirely. I don't want to say she was like a one book hit. Cause I really don't think that's her thing. I just think it was not the right time for me to focus on it. Right. And then I started reading Will Smith's biography and I was like sucked right in like a interesting trap. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe I just wasn't um, in the right place for this book at the time. It's a, I bought it because of the cover. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I do that a lot. It is. And then I think I've been rereading Call of the Wild and Free, which I've talked about before. I don't know if on the podcast. I don't know why I showed you. That's a pretty um, book. It's beautiful, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's about homeschooling. Right. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a great, great book. This is a favorite in the homeschooling world. Um, it's just about embracing children's education in the without the confines of a traditional school about following children's interests and getting back to the basics of learning and it's really really well done it's got great pictures and it's it's a really good book 
Call so of the Wild and Free. Yeah. Okay. By Ainsley Arment. Yeah. Nice. And then I, I'm going, because they're very small, um, I'm going to give these two a shot. Ah, you did. Yes. So I'm what, going Wendy's to. Wendy's Button Box, right? Yeah. Gwendy's Button Box and then Gwendy's Magic Feather. And so these are by, I don't know how to say his last name, Richard. I don't either. Schismar? Schismar? Schismar. C-H-I-Z-M-A-R. Schismar. Endorsed by or forwarded by Stephen King. Yes, which he very kindly, the first one he yeah, he like, co-authored, I think. And yeah. then the second one, he just made a recommendation, wrote the foreword. And on his own Twitter, Stephen King really um, complimented the author and said it was a great book. And he was very excited about it. And he just really, I felt, gave so much applause to it to get it yeah. known, to get it read. And I, I really like that, that an author was shouting out another author like that. I yeah, that because awesome. they do tend to just want to put their names on everything. And I feel like he's not like that. Um not that I know Stephen King personally, but you know, I wish. <laughs> um, but these are very small. They're not large books, 171 pages and 200 pages. And yeah, so that's kind of what I'm looking at now. Well, then when you finish the button box, you can come in and talk to Jen because she has read it. Okay. And she would probably love to download some uh, opinions about that with you. Okay, I'll definitely, I will do that. Yeah. Yeah, because you and her, she has a lot of Stephen King uh, appreciation as well. And so yeah. in some ways you guys are very, you're very aligned. Oh, good. I like, I like, I like people I'm aligned with. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're the best kind. Uh, yeah. I like aligning with others. Yeah, I know I'm a. Uh, I'm excited to read them. I'm kind of easing back into, I haven't been reading as much lately and I am finishing up. I don't have it with me. It's in the car. You will know the name of it because you recommended it for book club. What is the book of the lists? Oh, the 21 rules of love. Yes. I, I'm like By Matthew Dix. With this book. Yeah. I can't even. <laughs> Yeah. I won't snort on your podcast, but <laughs> snort away. I just, I, it's probably not as funny as I think that it is, but it just tickles my fancy. Oh, I yeah. just, this book makes me so happy and I just absolutely love it. And I think anybody should read it. It is so good. And he just cracks me up. Ugh. One of his, li oh, I just can't. His yeah, list about why raspberries suck is the best thing <laughs> ever. And, and really, it's what so a creative cool. way to write a book. To write the oh, entire so book in lists. And lists about every damn thing. Like there's no, it's not really organized like a business. It is just random list thoughts. And it does still have a flow. Like you get a whole yeah. sense of the story. And it's way more emotional than I anticipated. But right. you're right. It is a very good kind of a pandemic read because you can pick it up and put it down and it's easy to do like a list at a time and it's not too overwhelming and it is yeah. so lighthearted. Um, oh, it's so yeah. funny. Like his list about 
reasons why he's stupid. <laughs> I mean, he's not stupid, but like, it just killed me. It killed me to the point where I was snorting laughing at book club. I couldn't even read the list. It was, it's probably not even that funny, but it was to me. Yes. I thought it was hilarious. Which is why books are great. Because all it yeah. has to be is funny to you. I think anybody should read it. I think it's a perfect book for anybody who isn't a reader because it's easy to read. It's the perfect book for anybody who's like needs a pandemic read. It's the perfect book for anybody who just needs a light read or a book in their car when they go to appointments or somebody who's traveling. It's such a good book. Mm -hmm. I can't say enough about it. I want to read anything else that he writes. And the cover is a stack of books, which always gets me. I mean, you put books on the cover of a book. I'm so there. Sold. (laughs) Sold. Yeah. You Perfect. put food on the outside of a food package. I'm not as easily wooed, but books on the outside books of a book, hundred percent sold. Yeah. yeah. So those are what I'm. That's kind of what I'm reading and about to read right now, and I'm excited about all of it. That's the thing about books too; they're always just sitting there waiting for when you're ready to read them. Yes. There's no timeline. No, and they don't just hold it them. against you if you were away for a while. Like, where the hell did you yeah. go? We were sitting here yeah. getting stale. You can read for hours. And unlike Netflix, for example, that uh, you like watch a few episodes and then says, are you still watching? Like you're trying to guilt <laughs> me the fact that I've been spending four hours watching. Shut up, Netflix. Right? The books don't do that. You can spend your whole day reading. <laughs> Judging yeah. me. Shut right? up. Leave me alone. It's like my Fitbit tells me it's step o'clock. Like, leave me alone. Step o'clock? Yeah. It's like you need to get up and walk. My Apple Watch tells me to breathe. Oh. oh. I mean, come on. Were you not paying attention? I'm breathing the whole damn day. (laughs) These things we pay money for are very bossy. Yeah, we need to be told what to do, apparently. Step, breathe. What the heck? Uh, Yeah, you're right. Books, Books that are not attached to any sort of cord or cable yeah. are just a gentle way to do your day that's it yep like a yep. good friend exactly there well i go. i'm grateful for you i'm grateful well, for you, you and for asking me to come back of course it's very exciting i just couldn't even when you sent me the email i was like what i thought you were just being polite when you're like oh people liked the first podcast oh, but no. then when you asked me to come back it's like wow yeah no, they really did. And one lady even made a point of letting me know that she listened to it a number of times in a row because it was so impactful and she didn't want to miss things. Wow. So you made an impact. It's because I go off on tangents. She's probably like, okay, we were talking about one thing and then she just started talking about something else. I gotta like re-listen to this. <laughs> it's because you're you. It's because oh, you're amazing nice. and you're honest and you're unfiltered. And that is something that everybody wants more of. We are an un, unedited, unphotoshopped. We are just 100% us. And that apparently is enough. Good. Yeah. Because it should be enough. <laughs> I agree. Because <laughs> I am not anything else. I can't no. bring anything else to the table but myself. And don't even try. Today's episode of the Bookshop Chronicles has been brought to you by... Daisy Chain Book Company's 2022 Reading Challenge. It's a reading challenge, you guys. It's so fun. So you know how sometimes you get in that funk of just reading the same old stuff and it's just not exciting anymore and you kind of wish you could jump out of your 
normal reading habits, but you don't exactly know where to start. Okay, so I have come up with a list of reading prompts for people who are just looking for something to stimulate their reading life, make it a little vibrant, make it a little bit more open, maybe discover some new authors or titles or genres. It is a great big reading world out there, friends, and I want you to get the most out of it possible. So I have taken some reading challenge ideas from my own personal reading journal, and I have made it possible for you. So there is a list of many categories, and we are going to follow it on social media, hashtag DCBC reading challenge, so we can get ideas of what other people are reading for the same categories. And we're just going to find ways to make reading more exciting. I really want 2022 to be your best reading year ever. And I'm hoping that this reading challenge can really help. If you would like to get a copy of this, you can send me an email at brandy, B-R-A-N-D-I, at daisychainbook.co, and I will email you a PDF of the reading challenge. I look forward to reading with you and tracking with you and seeing all of your great new titles. I so loved this conversation with Melissa because I don't think it can be overstated how valuable a community that knows you is. We talked about how hard it is to find really close friends as an adult and how special that is. I think that we are not alone in this. The idea of being known, being heard, having somebody share your intimate history and knowledge and just choosing you over and over because they like you it's not the same as your family. Your family doesn't get to choose you. They just have you. You're, that, that's it, right? But your friends choose you. And when they stay in your life, it's like they're choosing you over and over and over. They know you. They're for you. They're the ones who are going to help you hide the bodies. They know all your secrets. They've seen you at your best and your worst. It is kind of the best thing ever. And, and that is one of the reasons why creating a community at Daisy Chain Book Company is so special to me. The idea of giving people a place where they are heard, where they are known, where they feel valuable and seen is so special. And it has nothing really to do with the books, but it has everything to do with the people who read the books. So that is my heart. That is really what melts my butter. And that is something that I will constantly be chasing. Helping people find ways to connect with other humans, and hopefully create a lasting friendship based on something that is really so common. Books, right? It's just books. But if we can build something big around the books that is life-affirming and life-changing for so many, well, I'm for that. I'm all for that. So whatever community you are in, be relevant, be generous, and be unforgettable. And may 2022 be your best reading year ever. Talk to you soon, friends. Bye.